When did, when did you um, find out that you knew someone who had COVID? I bet, I bet a month ago, a lot of us still didn't know anyone that has had or has ha- does have COVID. But, but I think now, almost all of us know someone or several people that have, that have COVID. You know, as, as the case counts go up and uh, schools and restaurants and, and other things start shutting down, the question for us as a church is, okay, what are we going to do? What, what's our next step? What, what's our way forward? And this might be a question that, that you're asking personally too. I mean, what's the way forward now? And this is what I'd like to talk to you today as we finish the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles with you and you'd like to turn with me to the end of the book of Acts, that's Acts chapter 28. That'd be great. Acts chapter 28, and we'll pick it up here in verse 17. And the Apostle Paul is, is on a, a, a guided missionary journey, I guess you might say. He is in prison in custody, and he has been shipped to Rome. And so we read, after three days, and you're wondering, like, after three days of what? Well, after three days, after they had completed the journey from Jerusalem all the way to Rome, and and we covered most of that trip uh, last week. So after three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers. So the first thing Paul says is, so Paul sends for them, the elders come and he says, guys, I just want you to know I haven't done anything wrong. Would that kind of make you suspicious that maybe he had done something wrong? Like when some people, you know, when you introduce to someone and they, the first thing they say is, you know, I just want you to know I'm not a criminal. Okay, well, we're going to do a background check when we get home, I guess. Brother Zoe had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And when they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. So, guys... I didn't do anything wrong, and the Romans examined me, and they found that I hadn't done anything wrong. Not against them, not against you. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. But I'm not mad at you. So he starts out by saying, I didn't do anything wrong. The Romans found that I had done nothing wrong, and I'm not mad at you. He's like, can, can we just be at peace with each other so I can share the gospel? For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this. Hey, what's what's that next word in your Bibles? Chain. Because I am wearing this chain. How long had it been since Paul that Paul was wearing a chain? Well, if you look back in your Bible, if you look back at Acts 21.33, when there's the riot in the temple, Paul is bound with two chains. And then when he's testifying, 
before the Romans who are in charge in Caesarea, he says, I wish you were just like me except for these chains. And how long had Paul been in custody in Caesarea? Well, he'd been in custody there for two years. Seems like he's been wearing a chain for a couple years at this point. And so he says, since it is because of the hope of Israel, Jesus' resurrection, that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, we received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, that's how they knew about the followers of Jesus. That's how they knew about the way. They knew of it like, like a sect. We know, that every, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. We know that it's, it's bad, but we'd like to hear more about it from you. When they had appointed a, a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. And from morning till evening he expounded to them. Now anyone that traveled with Paul knew probably what he was going to do, but maybe they had a question of their mind after a couple years of custody wearing a chain after he'd been through this terrible journey and here he ends up in Rome after all the riots that he'd been through after all the imprisonment they might be wondering what's got Paul going to do but they are I mean anyone that knew Paul knew what he was going to do he was going to expound Jesus from the scriptures and that is what we are going to do as a church we though we're going into the probably a long hard winter we are going to keep telling people about Jesus. Whatever We might not get to pick how we're going to tell people about Jesus, it, but we're going to keep telling people about Jesus. Okay? So from morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus from the law of and the prophet saying the Old Testament is a Christian book. It all points to Jesus. Now, if you have your Bibles open to Acts 28, even if you're, you know, if you're watching with us online uh, with your Bible open as well, look, look down at the end of Acts 28 and see how the book ends from here. He lived there for two years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. Verse 31 proclaiming the kingdom of God. Does that look familiar up there? Testifying to the kingdom of God. Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul says, here's the plan, fellas. Though I'm in chains and going to be in chains for quite a while, Though it's going to be a long, hard season, maybe, as I wait to testify, we're going to keep telling people about Jesus and keep telling people about Jesus' kingdom. Of course, this is how the book starts. If, if you have your Bible open with you, you can look back at Acts chapter 1 with me. Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. Acts chapter 1 and verse 3 says, this is talking about Jesus, he presented himself alive to them, Jesus, after his sufferings, after dying on the cross for our sins. Jesus presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about, about what? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. 
the kingdom of God and Jesus' reign is a unity. And so, if you want to understand the book of Acts and the message of the book of Acts, the book of Acts is all about Jesus and how Jesus' reign began with his suffering on the cross. So when Paul, when Paul has this message about the kingdom and about Jesus and Jesus' sufferings, it's not one people are eager to hear. It's not one they're eager to hear because this is not the kind of kingdom they were hoping for. It's not how, it's not how the kingdom was supposed to come. They, they were thinking that the kingdom would come when Jesus conquered the Romans or when the Messiah conquered the Romans. And Jesus is saying, you are thinking too small. And this is now what Luke is writing, what Paul is testifying to and is talking about. He's saying, the Romans were never truly the enemy. Just like we might say, the people on the other side of the political aisle are not truly the enemy. The people in our lives that give us the worst hard time, they're not truly the enemy. In the same way then, Rome was an occupying force, they were not truly the enemy. The true enemies are number one, sin. And Paul would say Jesus conquered sin and established his kingdom by bearing all of our sins on the cross. Jesus conquered death and established his kingdom by dying for our sins and by rising again, triumphing over death on the cross. Jesus conquered Satan by dying for our sins and by disarming Satan so that there's nothing he can accuse us of before God anymore. So what this means is that sin is conquered, that in Jesus' kingdom, sins are conquered because he bore them, because he forgave them. So the sins that haunt you the sins that bother you, Jesus has conquered and they are forgiven. It means we no longer have to fear death because Jesus has conquered death. We have eternal hope in Christ because of his kingdom. It means that Satan, though he tempts us and though he may accuse us, it means he doesn't have any bullets in his gun. Martin Luther, the, the reformer, you know, 500 years ago he lived, and he struggled a lot with spiritual warfare. Like he, he felt like Satan was in his room at times. And I read this account years ago on, on a platform that I don't use anymore, and so I've gone back and looked for it several times, and and I just can't find it. Otherwise, I would put it up there and, and read it to you. But I'm going to tell it to you because, it's, because the principle underneath it is true. So Martin Luther was, it's, it was late at night, and he struggled the most with like spiritual attacks and spiritual warfare at night. And he felt like Satan was in the room with him. And he felt like Satan was accusing him of sins that he committed. He's saying, there's no way you're going to be right before God. And he goes back after this sin and that sin and this sin and that sin over and over and over with these long list of sins. 
And Martin Luther came to a place where he said to the Satan, he said to Satan, you know what? Everything you're saying, all those sins, they're all true. But you know what? There's a bunch of sins that you're not thinking of. Because you're not omniscient. But all those sins, the ones you're naming and the ones you're not naming, they are all washed away by Christ's blood. They're all nailed to Christ's cross. He has disarmed you, devil, so flee from me. And this is true. It's true for him. It's true for you if you put your faith and your hope in Christ Jesus. That Jesus in his kingdom has conquered sin, he's conquered death, and he's disarmed Satan. So this is Paul's message. His message was one of the cross and the resurrection that sin has conquered, that Satan has disarmed, and this is something that he preached again and again, and this will be our message. Whatever happens in the next couple months, this will be the message that we come back to again and again and again. We will preach Christ and Him crucified, whatever happens next. Okay, so Paul goes on speaking, and and some were convinced by what he said, and others disbelieved. Sometimes it makes me feel better that not not even Paul was able to convince, convince everyone. Some were convinced by what he said, and others disbelieved, and disagreeing among themselves, they departed. Now, now read this closely with me. After Paul made one statement. So Paul says what he's about to say next. He's going to quote from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. He says this before they leave. Which I, I have to take the, what he, the reason he quotes Isaiah chapter 6, which is a really, really hard passage. Not necessarily hard to understand, just hard to accept. Hard to believe it's true. Like a punch in the face is a hard thing to take. Isaiah chapter 6 is a hard thing to read. It's really hard. Paul says this before they leave. And I have to think it's because what he's trying to do is it's like he's putting his hands on their, on their head, like you would with a little kid when you really want him to listen. You know, like when there's a little kid that you really, really want him to listen. And so you get down on one knee, and you put your hands, like, like on, their, on their head, like this. Not in an angry, mean way, but in a, okay, now you're going to look at me, and now you're going to pay attention way. And you make eye contact with them. So they can't get distracted. Because, so, you know, little kids, they, they kind of, at least, yeah, I won't go there. So, so you're like, you got him by the head, you're looking at him saying, now listen to this. And I think this is why Paul quotes from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. I think this is why he's quoting this passage, saying, you need to get this. We read this. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers, through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, so you're going to go to them. You're not just going to let them wander off without warning them. You're going to go to them and plead with them to repent. Go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. That's not very, that's not very hopeful. But it is really a bracing warning. You're going to go on hearing, but never understanding. 
You will hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. They have refused to see, and refused to hear, and refused to turn again, and again, and again, and again. And now Isaiah is saying, or the Lord is saying to Isaiah, your preaching will only harden their hearts. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. When I was in college, the guy next door loved to stay up late and hated to get up early. Kind of normal uh, for a college guy. But, but this, guy, this guy was amazing. I mean, had like a superpower. And that was sleeping in. Like he was amazing at sleeping and, and so he, he, the problem was he had like 7.30 in the morning classes. And so his alarm would go off and he'd hit the alarm. And then his alarm would go off and he'd hit the snooze. Then his alarm would go off and he'd hit the snooze. Then his alarm would go off and he'd hit the snooze. Then his alarm would go off and he'd hit the snooze. And he would end up getting to class like 20 minutes late on days that he did get up. Other days, he would just kind of reset the alarm. Um, and, and he got to the point where because he had hit the snooze so many times, he then started hitting the snooze in his sleep. And so he started missing his early morning classes. And I remember him being like in a panic, like he feeling completely helpless because he's like, I can't wake up anymore because he had hit snooze so many times. He trained himself to hit snooze and he was powerless to get up because his alarm no longer worked. It's a terrible place to be. I think that's how I understand this passage. The people of God have hit snooze over and over and over and over again. And every time you hit snooze, it gets easier to do the next time. Every time you turn off your alarm, it gets easier to do the next day. Every time you roll over and go back to sleep, it gets easier to do the next day. And the people of God have had snooze and have had snooze and, have, and, and now they're powerless to get up. And Paul is saying to them, do not let this happen to you. Do not let this happen to you. And that's when they say, we're not doing that. And they get up and they leave. So what will we do? If we're following Paul's example, well, we'll keep Proclaiming Jesus and him crucified and his kingdom will also keep telling people the gospel until we find people that listen. It's not up to us to make people listen, but we'll keep telling people the gospel until people listen. Some will listen eventually. This was Paul's mode of operation. He kept telling people the gospel until someone listened. This is, this is also what he does in Acts chapter 18. I think it's verses 6 and 7. When he's there uh, in the synagogue and, and they're just not having it. And he says, fine. Remember this? 
He says, fine, your blood be upon your own heads. I am innocent. I'm done with you. And he leaves. And then, remember where he goes? He goes right next door and starts speaking really loud so they can all hear him. Because he's still hoping they'll repent. Someone will listen. So we'll keep proclaiming the message. Because God will work in someone's heart. What will we do? We'll keep, we'll keep proclaiming Christ and him crucified because, because some will listen. So Paul lived there two years at his own expense. Now I want you to know he's still in custody and he is still, he's still wearing the chain. And, and he, he, remember in Acts chapter 24, we found out that while he was waiting for a judgment, waiting for a judgment, waiting for a judgment, we found out that he was in custody there. For two years. And then he had the journey. And how long did the journey take? I don't know. Maybe six months. So it's been all of four years. Maybe four and a half years. That he has been in custody at this point. He lived there for two years at his own expense. And welcomed all who came to him. This is the passage I was quoting to you earlier. When he quotes Isaiah chapter 6. It, it doesn't mean that no one converted. The Jewish people. Some some heard, some understood, some agreed, but he welcomed all who would listen to him. And this is what we will do, welcome all who will listen. He welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And? And the book leaves him wearing a chain. The book leaves him in custody. But it leaves him proclaiming Christ and his kingdom in whatever circumstances he finds himself in. Circumstances change all the time. But our message never changes. And what we have to believe is that God will use our gospel proclamation that the, the, when we tell people about Jesus that, that he'll use that for good no matter what our circumstances are. That he's working in ways that are bigger than us and beyond us. And this was true for Paul. If, if you think about this, it, Paul, Paul, Paul sent a lot of letters and letters were not his preferred form of communication. We know that from his letters because that's all we have from him now. But we have that in his letters. We say, I long to come to you. I really wish I could see you. But here I am writing this letter. And so, you know, we have Ephesians chapter 6, verse 20, where Paul is asking them to pray for him, that he'll have boldness while he's wearing these chains. Well, this is almost certainly these four years' imprisonment that he spends wearing a chain that he pens the letter of Ephesians. Something good came out of Paul wearing a chain for four years, and it was the letter of Ephesians. Something good came out of the four years that Paul wore a chain. I mean, he writes in uh, Philippians chapters 1, 12 through 14 and 4:22 about being imprisoned. And he talks about how God is giving him boldness, and they could pray for his boldness. He'd proclaim him among Caesar's household. And then he says, and those in Caesar's household greet you, like some of his prison guards, some of the people he was chained to, got saved. 
Or there's the letter of Colossians, where he says, And remember me in my chains. That's how he closes off the letter. Probably another time when Paul was imprisoned in Rome, almost certainly he is freed from this Roman imprisonment, and then um, maybe he gets to Spain like he said he was hoping to in the book of Romans, and then he's imprisoned again in Rome, and, and that second time he is put to death. But, but probably that time he writes Second Timothy, and he references his chains twice and his imprisonment once in Second Timothy. And then there's, of course, the book of Philemon. Where Philemon, there's, I, you're like, well, you missed the part. Well, in Philemon, there's only one chapter. And so Philemon, verse 23, he names his chains. And some, he, also, he also talks about people that you, or he names his imprisonment. And he talks about people you'd recognize from the book of Acts in there. Here's what I want you to see. That God uses awful circumstances for his kingdom. Paul, Paul may have been busy at work, but God redeemed this time where he could only communicate with letters, and we are still using these letters. So we will keep telling people about Jesus regardless of our circumstances Believing that God can use whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. Just to help this ring home for you, I'd like to read to you from 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's it's up there. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. I mean mean the reference is up there. The scripture isn't up there. I'm going to read the scripture from from my book here. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8 says, Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David. Okay, risen from the dead, reference to the cross and the resurrection. The offspring of David, reference to the kingdom. The offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. says, I may be bound, but God's word is not bound. So I will go on preaching. So what should we do? Well, we can ask. Um, the, fir- the first question I would ask, the f- first thing I'd want for you is, is to make sure that you indeed are listening. That you indeed are, when, when you're confronted with truth from the Scripture, that, that you're not obeying, that you would listen to that and not rationalize a different, a different way. That, that you wouldn't hit snooze on obedience to Christ. That you wouldn't reset your alarm on obedience to Christ. That you wouldn't go back to sleep on obedience to Christ. Because I guarantee you, it will be easier to hit snooze next time. It will be easier to reset your alarm next time. Habits are built one snooze bar at a time. 
one trip back to sleep at a time. And I'm not talking about in your bed. I'm talking about in your daily life and your obedience to Christ. Throughout the Bible, you see God use hardships to get people's attention. I'm not saying he always, he always brings the hardships into our life for that purpose, but that's one of the ways he redeems the hardships. It's one of the ways he uses hardships for good is to get our attention. If this doesn't get your attention, the season we're in, what will God have to bring in your life to get your attention? To wake you up? To have you stop hitting snooze? If this doesn't do it, what will God have to take away? Have you been hitting snooze on the gospel? Have you been hitting snooze and resetting your alarm on obedience to Christ? Time to wake up and obey the Holy Spirit. Will you listen now? Next, next, I, I invite you to stay on mission. Now, not all of us are called to preach sermons, but we've, we can all share different resources we have. So, so if, if you say, okay, this is what the church is going to do, the church is going to stay on mission and keep preaching the word, how can you be on mission? Well, you can talk with people or, or you can share something with other people. So you might share a podcast. You might share a sermon. You might share a book. You might share... But whatever it is you share, it should be something that has really ministered to you. Something that has really helped you. And I think you can offer it to them and say, this has really helped me. Maybe it would help you. That'd be a, a good way for you to stay on mission through this season. And, and finally, you could also participate in the year-end offering. This is something that we roll out every Sunday, I'm at this, this particular Sunday every year, on this particular week. And so this is what I'd like to kind of talk through, talk through today, is here's the plan for the year-end offering this year. And we want this to be an extension of us proclaiming Christ and his kingdom. Okay, so, so first we're going to, we'd like to fund um, $3,000 to the Kalamazoo Gospel. Um, it used to be Gospel Mission. They've, they've gone through a renaming and now it's Kalamazoo Gospel Ministries. And so we'd like to give $3,000 to Kalamazoo Gospel Ministries. And you've seen Pastor Brown here um, on our stage preaching before. Uh, if you've been here for a while, we, we love that ministry. It's a ministry that's very important. It may become more important over the next couple months, depending on how, how this goes. Uh, it may be even more necessary than, than it is right now. So we want to be ready to step in and help, and help them do the work that God has called them to do. So we plan to give $3,000 to Kalamazoo Gospel Ministries. Second, we'd like to do the work of church revitalization. So that's a picture of Ken Floyd. He's been here to preach um, a couple times. And uh, he is the head of the Association of Churches We Belong To. So we belong to the Michigan Association of Regular 
Baptist churches, and you can take the first letter of each of those words and call it the MARB, with a silent C at the end. And so they, what they want to do is they're, going, they're hoping to plant some churches and revitalize some churches. And so I asked Ken, um, is, there, is there one of these projects that we can help with? And he recommended that we help with First Baptist Church of North Adams. It's a revitalization work. And they're calling a new pastor and they're trying to get that church up and off the ground again and really get them engaging with their community again. And one of the things they need is a new website and Wi-Fi connectivity to help them reach younger families. I can't imagine doing the work of the ministry during this season without a website. And so we're, we're gonna help, we'd like to help them revitalize that church. Um, oh, and by the way, that's where North Adams is, where the, where the star is. I did the best I could with figuring that out. It's near Hillsdale. Josh, am I, am I right? Is that where Hillsdale is? I see him nodding up there, so good. And then Pillar Church of 29 Palms. Uh, this is a church plant. This is a church plant that Rob Wallace has been a part of. Rob spoke last week when he was here. He was one of the pastors on staff at that church when he was stationed at 29 Palms. And um, we've helped them before. We helped them buy a sound system um, a couple of years ago. And uh, they've grown, and now they want to move into some property. But it is, it is a mess. And so they're already working on rehabbing this facility. And, and so you can see them there trying to gut it and trying to get it to the point where they can worship in it. And they've begun some of the remodel with it. And that's, that's um, Pastor Roy uh, doing their live stream. They're live streaming as well. Um, but they could meet inside under restrictions. It's possible that they could, uh, but not until they get their sanctuary finished with stuff like a ceiling and flooring and they get their bathrooms uh, done. And we, we just believe that they're going to be in that building at some point. Whether it's next month or nine months, we just believe they're going to be in there at some point. And so we want to help them do this kingdom work by helping them um, remodel that space. So that's Pillar Church of 29 Palms for $11,500. Now, uh, here we have room 126. So that is the room that the ladies' Bible study, ladies' ministry, women's ministry. I just said three probably wrong names. Mary, is it women's ministry? Yes, I wanted to get it right. So women's ministry meets in that room, and um, we have other groups that use that room as well. What we'd like to do is add audio-visual capabilities to that room in a similar way of room 229 and you know what I mixed those up it should be similar no no I got that right so rooms 229 and 230 in a similar way to 126 so trust the screen not me I don't know so okay so this will be a telling tool for a women's ministry backyard buddies fireflies and love ink so we'll help them Tell the gospel. It will help them explain the gospel. They'll, they'll use that room a lot for video teaching and other, other things like that. So will, you know, Backyard Buddies will be able to. Fireflies will be able to right now in our current format. Cubbies would be able to. Um, and Love Inc. Uh, would use it as well as for their teaching. It, it, will, it will be utilized, especially because 
it is on, on the same floor as the main parking lot. So we'd love to have an audio-visual room um, upstairs and then one downstairs. So 229 would be upstairs and 126 would be downstairs. We'd also like to lower the front of the stage and purchase removable stage sections. Okay, so the reason we want to do this, let's start with a why. The reason we'd want to do this is it will help the preacher, whoever that might be, connect with the congregation by allowing him to get closer to the congregation. I would love it if I was down lower and was out closer to you. And this is what this will do. And so here's, here's kind of the plan. The, the idea is to uh, not have quite as much space taken up with steps, but to bring this down to the fourth step so that this section from about here over to uh, the same place over there will be all about the height of this fourth step. I think I can see, still see you guys in the back pretty well. You might not be able to see my feet anymore, but that's okay because my shoe choice isn't always that cool anyway. Um, but I'd love to be lower and closer to you. And so that's what this change will do is it will bring me down lower and bring me out closer. And so, so that's the dimensions of that. And then we'll, that will come out to about here, so we'll still be able to drop the hoop down and play full-court basketball. But to help me get closer to you, or to help whoever is speaking get closer to you, or if we have a special service like we typically do on Christmas Eve, we could bring the piano down to this lower section, or bring our instruments down to this lower section, and, and then they could use it too. But it'll get them lower and closer. So the, the part that will come out onto this would, of course, need to be temporary. So we can still drop the hoop down and play full-court basketball. That's what this will be. It'll be four feet wide and 24 feet long. So the whole footprint, it'll be same height. So the whole footprint would look like this. It will be about 10 feet deep and 24 feet long and 2 feet 4 inches off the ground. And um, that brings us to a total of $75,000. And anything above and beyond will go to the Kalamazoo Gospel Ministries. Now, last year, last year we set a goal of $75,000, and we said anything above and beyond goes to the Camp Scholarship Fund. Remember that? Yeah. And then last year, I wrote this on my arm. So if you're wondering if I got a cool new tattoo, I did not. But I, I did write this on my arm. Last year, 91,760 came in. We ended up really, really funding the Camp Scholarship Fund. If that happens again, we're going to end up really, really giving a big, generous gift to the Kalamazoo Gospel Ministries. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So here's where I want to leave you. Okay. The big picture is that as we as we leave Acts, remember that we as a church are going to be people that continue to preach Christ and Him crucified. We're going to continue to preach the defeat of sin, conquering death, resurrection hope, disarming of Satan. This will continue to be our focus. And we'll do that because some people will listen. And we'll do that regardless 
regardless of our circumstances. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for how you work in our lives and how you pull us towards yourself. Lord, I, I thank you that though we are bound at times by our circumstances, that the Word of God is never bound. Lord, I thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.